Welcome to Breaking Baptist, a podcast where we rethink traditions in light of the Bible. I'm your host, Isaac Thibodeau, and I am joined today by my good friend, Jordan Cerny. How you Howdy. doing, man? Doing great. How are you? Doing good, man. Thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice, really hot evening and just drinking a couple of seltzers, man. Yeah. Sitting at my sitting at my table. So uh, we're going to talk about a lot of stuff today. I just want you to share your story. But first off, why don't you introduce yourself, tell our listeners where you're at in life, and, and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah, so um, my wife and I, we have four kids from the ages of two months to five years old, and uh, we are currently in Washington, Maine, uh, middle of nowhere, but um, good place to raise our kids. We've been in Maine for about seven years now, um, moved here from upstate New York about seven years ago, just after we got married, and uh, we are attending Windsor Christian Fellowship in Windsor, Maine, Pastor Brandon Dyer, the one, the only, and... Um, <laughs> I've been doing a pastoral internship there for about three months now, um, working with the elder team and doing preaching and teaching some Sunday school, uh, and I also head up the music team there, so um, all good stuff on the church front. So um, work at a snowplow factory in Rockland, um, fun stuff there, um, but yeah. That's cool, that's man. It. Awesome, awesome. Well, so I, what I want to talk about is your story out of fundamentalism. Um, we have a similar background. Yours seems to be a little bit more extreme than mine, um, but nonetheless, somewhat similar. And uh, so I've, I know over our conversations, we've, we've shared a lot about that and um, you've told me things and I just thought it would be awesome to have you on to, to talk about that. I think it would really bless a lot of people. So why don't you take us from the beginning of your entrance into the fundamentalist Baptist movement and then all the way to where we are now. And, yeah. You know, you can take pauses and everything in between that. But Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. So I was raised in a Christian home. Um, my dad was actually a pastor of a small Southern Baptist church right up the road from us. Um, super balanced, uh, really, really good church. Uh, my dad was definitely influential in discipling me. Um, and so... My journey into fundamentalism uh, came about when I was 19 years old. I had gone through kind of a rough patch of my life where I uh, just started living very worldly and trying to make sense, as most 19-year-olds are, of the world and of my faith. Um, but I kind of went down a, a path of, of carnality and, like I said, worldliness, uh, drugs, and and you know, as much trouble as a 19-year-old can get into. Um, then the Lord brought um, a church into my life. Uh, some people from uh, Malone, New York, upstate New York, uh, that started discipling me through that and out of that. Um, they had invited me to a youth conference in New York, Youth Ablaze, mm-hmm. Um and I had known this church, not, not a lot, uh, but I had, you know, built some relationships with the youth pastor and some of the youth of that church. Um, but I was kind of, you know, just out of this season of questioning everything, you know, almost a deconstruction phase before deconstruction phases were cool. <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so I went to this youth conference and it was 
preaching like I had never heard before, singing like I had never heard before, um, lots of screaming and shouting amen, people excited, a very, very emotional experience. Um, and so, you know, this was a side of Christianity that I never saw before, and I kind of got excited and uh, just jumped all in. Uh, I actually ended up moving in with that youth pastor for a few months. Um, and, you know, that's really my start into fundamentalism was that youth conference and then being discipled by that youth pastor in that church. Um, I grew up reading whatever version, um, whatever major modern English translation um, that uh, we had available to us mostly the NIV. Um, my dad preached from the NIV. So this youth pastor um, sat me down and, you know, saw that I was reading a perversion. The not inspired version. <laughs> yes. The, or as Dr. Ruckman would call it, the nutty idiots version. <laughs> um, and I had, oh, I had, well, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself a little bit, but <laughs> I was given um, a book by Dr. Peter S. Ruckman about the NIV, and it has like a devil. I don't know if you've ever seen it before. No. It has like a devil holding a Bible, and it says Nutty Idiots version on. There's like <laughs> flames in the background and everything. And oh, my dad yeah. saw it and was not very happy. Of but anyway, so this youth, pa youth pastor started showing me the verses Isaiah 14, where Lucifer is turned into the morning star and where, you know, Acts 8.37 is taken out of the modern versions and who would do that but Satan himself. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of my introduction into how, you know, the King James was inspired, um, not just inspired, you know, uh, manuscripts behind it, but the actual version being inspired as opposed to the perversions um, like the NIV. Of course, of course. Um, so, yeah, I was shocked when he showed me those things. Nobody had ever shown me those before. I didn't really know the difference between, you know, the the modern versions um, and the King James Bible. So from that point on, I was I was sold um, mm -hmm. and just kind of soaking everything up, read a lot of uh, Dr. Ruckman, Sam Gipp, that kind of crowd. So. You know, I know there's a lot of different facets of fundamentalism and King James onlyism, and the Lord had brought me to the Ruckmanite camp. So yeah. that's where I spent quite a few years, about 10. They're like the Marines uh, of the King James. Yes, they are. They're so militant. <laughs> yeah. They're so militant, um, which, you know, there are certain aspects of, of Scripture that point to a militant Christianity, but I think sometimes people can take that a little <laughs> bit too seriously. A little bit. Yeah. A little too far. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like I said, that was kind of my introduction into it. I just dove, you know, headfirst into all the teachings, all the books, just constantly studying it. Went off to a Bible school that was not PBI, but very closely modeled after PBI and Dr. Ruckman's ministry. Pensacola Bible Institute? Yes, Pensacola Bible Institute. Yeah. Um, that's not the school that I right, went to, right, but right. it was that's modeled after is, yeah. that. Not right. everyone will know what that is. So right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's where I was trained for the ministry uh, during that time period. I felt like the Lord was calling me into the ministry, so I really began to study and began to preach as often as I could. Um, started learning about you know the King James Bible and all the reasons why it's inspired, um, 
after I graduated, I moved back to upstate New York to uh, be closer to my, at that time, fiance, now my wife, um, and began to serve in, in a local church. Uh, the Lord made clear to us that uh, he wanted us to move away from family for a little while. So I had gone to school with um, somebody from Union, Maine. So that's where we ended up. We ended up moving to Union to help a small church out there again. King James only, you know, a church very closely uh, tied to Pensacola Bible Institute um, and Dr. Ruckman in that ministry. And that's really where the Lord began to show us, you know, a lot of the faults of fundamentalism. Um, Even though we were fully on board, fully serving, uh, there were just some things that didn't really sit right with us. But, you know, we knew that the King James Bible was the exclusive word of God, and and uh, we were it was drilled into us that the pastor is the man of God. That if you get offended, it's your fault. Don't you know? Don't ever you know question the man of God because you know you're just mm. <laughs> you know somebody in the pew. Yikes! Um, and I will say that he it, it was funny because that particular pastor would preach against uh, pastors who abuse their authority while. In the meantime, you know, you couldn't question anything he did. And the one time that we had questioned something that he did um, kind of blew up in our faces. So Mm -hmm. um, through a bunch of different circumstances, the Lord made it clear that there was just not a healthy church, not only unhealthy doctrine, which we had not shifted at all at that time, but just a very unhealthy church. So we had left, gone to another church that was still King James only fundamentalist, but a little bit more moderate, uh, a lot less of the Dr. Ruckman stripe of fundamentalism and more of kind of like the uh, Paul Chapel, but but even, well, more so modeled after, um, what's the school Michael Britt went to? Heartland? Heartland, yes. Very closely uh, related to that. But it was a good place for my wife and I to kind of take a breather and reevaluate where we were at. So we were there for about two years when there was a church in our t- uh, close to our town who had a pastor that left, and my pastor at the time got wind of it and knew that I was training for the ministry, that I had gone to Bible school, and had encouraged me to put in an application to be a pastor of this church. The only caveat was that this church was not King James only. And so I would have to disciple them into King James onlyism. And so that's where the rabbit hole began. That's where the holes started coming hmm. visible. Uh, I began to restudy the things that I had been taught, and I had lots of books on it. But this time I kind of came at it with a little bit more of an open mind because I was possibly going to be responsible for this congregation and for their for their discipleship and for their faith. Um, uh, you know, the Bible says that an elder is to give an account for his congregation, and so that the thought of that responsibility um, sobered me quite a bit. Um, now I was studying this issue in kind of a different context than I had before. So I began to study and seeing, considering both sides of the story. Why do people believe this? You know, they don't just believe that reading modern perversions is something satanic. They, you know, they have faith that it's bringing them closer to God, giving them a better understanding of him and his word. 
So who am I to say that they're wrong? You know, I wanted to be sure that I was right. (laughs) So I, you know, started considering both sides of the story. One particular book that I was reading was refuting some things that James White uh, had said uh, in his book, The King James Only Controversy. And as I was reading these arguments, I, you know, came to some conclusions that James White kind of had a point on a few things um, and maybe brought to light some things that I hadn't considered before. And so I committed the unpardonable sin, and I bought the King James Only Controversy. Oh, dude, that book, <laughs> that book, I read through that book in one sitting. Yeah. That entire, I took an entire Saturday and read that whole thing. It just great. marked it up, man. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, and he, I mean, that book, again, just was like, it showed me how dishonest my, you know, Dr. Ruckman, he quotes a lot. Sam Gipp, he quotes a lot. Gail Ripplinger. I mean, those were like the authorities on the Bible version issue. That's what I had been taught. Um, And just showing how dishonest they were in their accusations and how a lot of them amounted to nothing. Um, So, and, and, you know, there are a lot of proof texts that King James Onlyists have, um, Isaiah 14 being the main one, and that was drilled into me. So, you know, here I am thinking, well, what about this? And it was just like down the list, he would address all of those Psalms 12, 6 and 7, yeah, the man. foundation. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and so the Lord just began to break away some of those things. Um, I had an ESV that somebody had given me 10 years earlier, and I only kept it to show what was wrong with it. Mm. And so I started bringing that out in the mornings and started reading that for my daily Bible reading. But then I would hide it, you know, because I couldn't let my wife see that I was reading a version other than the King wow. James Bible because, you know, we were both in it together. Yeah. Um, so that, you know, kind of took place. Um, the Lord had put a few men on my heart, one of them being a man, uh, Kerry Schmidt. Are you familiar with his I'm ministry? Not. Okay. He came from um, West Coast, uh, Lancaster Baptist Lancaster Baptist in Lancaster, California. He was a youth pastor there for many years. And I had always appreciated his ministry. He was very balanced, very Christ-centered. And so even when I was King James only, I I had um, really appreciated him and his ministry. Well, I had seen kind of a change in his ministry over time. He was a pastor now. He is a pastor currently in Connecticut and had kind of brought that church out of fundamentalism and into a little bit more healthier, a lot, well, a lot more healthier um, environment. And so I reached out to him and uh, actually got to go down. My wife and I got to go down and meet with him and explain to him our situation. And um, he counseled us, you know, uh, just about the possibility of putting in this application and just really taking the time to figure out what we believe before we were going to be responsible again for other people. So um he was a big help very instrumental and then lastly mark ward the, yeah <laughs> you know, the, i love that man this. i love that man um michael Britt, actually who you had on a couple episodes ago had mentioned uh that he was a big help to him and so i had reached out to him and mark and i had gone back and forth a few times and and again just kind of running down my checklist of proof texts for why i believed what i believed and one by one just um, seeing those that, that I, there was a misunderstanding. Um, and I think, you know, 
we want people want to believe what they believe is right and sometimes to a fault yeah um you know not considering that there may be more to the story than mm. just well they took that verse out and who would yeah. want to take that verse out besides satan and right. so satan is really the author behind modern versions yeah um so mm. he helped me kind of work through a lot of that and one of the biggest things, the nails in the coffin for me, was seeing how Christ himself in Scripture quoted Scripture. He didn't quote the King James Bible. In Matthew 4.4, 4, one of the you know major proof texts for King James only is, man shall live not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. He quotes from Deuteronomy, and in Deuteronomy, it, it words it a little bit differently. It says, from the mouth of the Lord. And there's one other word that he changes, but Christ himself doesn't quote the King James Bible. Yeah, um, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so that's right. If, we, if we were really looking at word for word, um, that every word of the King James Bible is inspired, then Christ didn't feel like it was necessary to quote every single word of the King James Bible. And that was kind of one of the, you know, might things. Because it didn't exist, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a surprise to some people. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of like the beginning of the end for me. Um, mm. I began to study that out. And, you know, I was really praying about how I was going to share that with my wife because she had been raised in it. Um, and how'd once, that go? How'd that go? It, it was a total shock at first for her. Um, I had told her that I had been talking with Mark Ward and that he was helping me figure some stuff out about the Bible issue. Um, and then one day it just kind of clicked with her that I was making the transition away from uh, being exclusively King James only and, and reading other versions. And it was her whole identity um, as far as her Christian faith goes. Um, and there is, you know, uh, uh, there is an aspect of being certain that we have the very words of God, the words that he spoke, you know, to question that. I mean, any if, if that was really the case, anybody would be totally shook um, that, you know, you would no longer believe every single word that God has given you in the King James Bible. Um, so she was definitely um, surprised, shocked, and upset at first, um, but the longer she prayed about it and we talked about it, and again, just kind of what the Lord had showed me, sharing with her and dismantling all the uh, false teachings that we had been taught and the false accusations of people who use modern versions. There's a lot of straw man arguments that just aren't true, but you know they never get questioned, and that's, as you mm. know, a big problem within those circles is that it's a big echo chamber and so all kinds of accusations are made but nobody actually gets to s tell the other side of the story so now beginning to actually consider the other side and mm. so eventually yeah. you know the lord had brought us you know to a point where we agreed together um and so yeah thankful for that um then i began to i mean question Everything. And I think, you know, again, Michael Britt mentioned it, a type of deconstruction I think is good. Um, we never left the foundation that the word of God is true. Um, we never left scripture. Uh, that was always our foundation. And whatever God said was what we were going to believe. Um, and so I began to study out, study out a lot of different issues that I had just taken for granted, you know, what I had been taught. 
um, and times theology. I mean, that was just every Sunday, Wednesday, you know, the tribulation was seemingly the epicenter of Christian faith when, you know, another, you know, another reason why um, something just didn't sit right while we were in those churches is because, man, where's the gospel? I mean, we would go weeks and weeks and weeks without hearing the gospel in a Sunday morning service. It was, you on know, the Lord's day too. On know? the Lord's day. Right. I mean, that is oh. the center. That is the reason why we gather together. Yeah. Um, but it was, you know, all about Israel in the old Testament and how, you know, they're going to be going through the tribulation that one day God will restore the kingdom to, to the nation of Israel. And, mm. and so, mm. man, I just, I'll the, have to have you on to talk about that. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm not an expert in it, but I, I think yeah. I've heard enough, you yeah. know, to, yeah. to know what uh, to say about it. But uh, yeah, just begin to really study just what does the scripture actually say about these things? Not cherry picking verses here and there to, you know, to show that I'm right because, because how could I be wrong? Yeah. Um, right. So that's it in a nutshell. There's a lot more details I could mm. add, but mm. um, super thankful that, yeah, that the Lord humbled me enough to show me that, listen, I'm, I'm fallible and I can't just take for granted that what I've been taught is true. I need to actually search the scriptures and consider both sides of the story. Mm. Um, a big yeah. part of it too was, you know, being loyal to the people who helped me. That was definitely a big pressure. Um, people who helped me out of bad situations uh, that discipled me in a time that I needed it, that even they could be wrong. And it was okay to disagree with them, even though that they did help me. And even though I still appreciate them and what they did to this day, um, mm. I don't hold that against them. I don't hold the fact that we disagree against them at all. Um, yeah. But, mm. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So some people... So a lot of people, I'm sure, were probably most of my listeners were very blessed by what you just said. Okay. But there's bound to be a few that are either sad or frustrated sure. about your whole story. Um, because to us, from us being on the other side of things, we're thinking like, wow, praise God. Like we want, we want all people in fundamentalism to come to this. Um, because we're not thinking this is a us versus them situation. Absolutely. We're we're not trying to go from one camp to the other. We're actually trying to broaden the tent. We're trying to say, hey, no, Christianity is a lot bigger than you think it is. Right. And we can have unity with people, with other Christians on these foundational things. Absolutely. On the gospel, right? On on the cardinal doctrines of the faith, which would not include King James only, as by the way. <laughs> but of course, that's one of the points of disagreement. But, but once you get outside of that little circle, which to be honest, when you grow up, in a fundamentalist Baptist King James only circle, it feels like that is Christianity. And then there's a few weird fringe groups out there. Right. Cause you're kind of insulated right. from them. Um, and it's, it's not a complete cult. There are sometimes there, you know, definitely individual churches that are definitely cults, but it's cult ish. Yes. In the sense that um, you have to be in like only in this circle and listen to people in the circle and there's like a blacklist and pretty much anyone outside of that circle is on the blacklist. Yeah. Except for like a few people like David Jeremiah for some reason people really love. <laughs> well, because uh, he's got his end times right according to them. <laughs> right. Like, you know, there's there's a lot of 
inconsistencies and idiosyncrasies of that. Right. But, but nonetheless, as a whole, you know, that's how it that's how it feels. But once you're out of it, you realize no, Christianity is way bigger than that group. In fact, when you compare, and when I say Christianity, I'm not including like liberal people that like and when I mean liberal, I guess you really have to qualify, don't you? When I mean that, I mean people who are like denying that the Bible is the God's word, right? Right. Denying that Jesus is the only way, denying the moral commands of scripture, like the sexual ethics and things like that. I'm not talking about those people. I'm talking about conservative Christians, people who actually believe what the Bible says face right. value um, and are consistent with the church throughout history and, and those beliefs. Um, when you compare that to the little group of fundamentalism, it's quite small. Like fundamentalism is quite small. Um, and I think what, what I really want, and I'm sure you want too, is just for people in that small group, not even necessarily to change the individual doctrines they believe. Like if you want to believe in the Israel church distinction radically and, you know, dispensational type stuff, uh, even if you want to use just the King James version, like, okay, that's fine. But broaden your perspective to realize that these other Christians aren't less than you. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. There is very much that spirit. Um, yeah, that, you know, and again, I, t I told you earlier, there was a lot of uh, times when I would hear, you're not going to hear any of this preaching in any other church in the state of Maine. <laughs> you know, just competing with other churches and how we're, you know, we're better than the other churches that who, like you said, who may not agree with us when that's uh, counter to what Paul said um, to the Philippians, to consider one another better than yourselves. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But there's very much that proud attitude that, you know, well, I'll tolerate you. If if I'll even tolerate you, I'll tolerate you. But, you know, I'm still on a higher pedestal in God's sight because I have the King James Bible. One mm -hmm. thing my dad said, which th I'm so thankful for my, my dad um, putting up with me through this whole time that I was in King James Onlyism, um, you know, he, he asked me um, at one point, he said, based on scripture, when I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, am I going to answer for not reading the King James Bible? And my quick answer was yes, but I didn't have any scripture to back it up because uh -huh. there's no scriptural command to read one specific version. And if we really want to, you know, make that distinction, I mean, we have to have scripture to back it up. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of a yeah eye opener for me. But I'm thankful that even my dad, um, who uh, was never King James only, was very mm -hmm. gracious to me. And a lot of times um, that is the case. People will be gracious towards fundamentalists, but that same um, privilege isn't granted back towards them because there is a very much of a spiritual hierarchy that kind of they they like to portray. Yeah, yeah. It's like we were talking about over dinner. It's like instead of, unity being the goal and separation if if it has to be right right it's more like let's divide as much as possible yes. and unify if necessary <laughs> exactly. you know it's like it's yeah. the opposite mindset it's like when you just read what the bible says about unity like you gotta you gotta these people all of us need to realize that unity is a doctrine absolutely it's it's a command and a doctrine it's a doctrine of the christian faith that we be unified in christ um, that doesn't mean we have to partner together in every respect because Christians of different convictions, depending on how your convictions line up, 
um, you may or may not be able to partner with those people in certain things, right? And that's fine. Um, but unity in the sense of like recognizing that these these other people are also children of God and you can love and pray for them and consider them as better than you. Absolutely. Right? Um, like that, that mindset is so important. It's, it's so essential. And I think it can really, man, it can, when we don't, when we don't realize that, that unity is a command, right. Then what we end up doing is thinking that separation is the ideal, right? When it's like, yeah, you're supposed to be separate from the world, not right. other Christians. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. As, uh, Which is so funny because that. one of our close friends um, who remained friends with us even after we had left the church at one point found out that we had um, we were not King James only anymore and had quoted to us um, that Christ has no fellowship with Belial and be not unequally yoked with one another. And so, you know, she was going to be unequally yoked to us because we didn't believe the same thing that she believed, even though that passage in its context has nothing to do with one person believing one doctrine and another person believing another doctrine. It's, you know, Christ and Belial. It's the saved and the lost. You know, right. It's Christians versus or Christians yeah. in the and, world. And think about what, what that's implying about the gospel, too. Like, what? how are you saved? You believe the gospel. You believe in Christ believe that he is your salvation you throw yourself on his mercy turn from your sin and turn to christ so if you if you if you then change if you change the qualifications for being a christian then you're changing the gospel yeah so like when someone when someone questions your salvation because you because of some doctrinal thing now again there are certain doctrinal things right yes of course yes, right yes. like you you have to believe that jesus is the son of god right right because no one can say that except by the spirit. And if you deny that he is, then you're the spirit of antichrist, actually. Right. Um, and then the moral teachings of the Bible, right? The clear cut, if you do these things, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Um, that stuff, right? And then the fruits of the spirit. Like you you take all that together, like that, that's what our our category should be for discerning um, a true confession of faith. Not what translation of the Bible someone's using, <laughs> not whether they're Calvinist or Arminian, right. not what they believe about the end times. Um, and you could be really wrong about something and still be a Christian. Yeah. Like I know I have, I know people, I have friends. I know this is going to be controversial. I don't care. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have, I have friends that believe it's okay for women to be pastors. And in fact, I have a friend who's a woman and is a pastor. Okay. okay. Of course, I don't actually think she is a pastor. She's performing the role of right, being right. a pastor. And I don't think that's biblical. I think it's wrong. And I think it's it's demonstrably wrong. Um, but I don't question her salvation because I see the fruit of the Spirit and I see her confession of faith in Christ. And um, there, I'm going to be really limited in how I can partner with her, right? Right. Um, and I have a lot of concerns. And I've you know, talked to her about that before. Um, and then Christians who believe that's okay, right? Like who aren't pastors themselves, but believe it's okay. Like th that's a problem, it's problematic, has serious implications, right? But that that doesn't equal not trusting in Christ for your salvation. Right. Just means you're really wrong about something <laughs> and it's a problem. Yeah. But that's not the same. It's right. just it's just not the same as denying Jesus as the Lord of your life. Right. It's just not. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot to say there, but you know, I think it's just really, 
it really is sad that that happens and that's something we we want to help people get out of and really just look at what the bible what are the bible's parameters right you know and i don't think we're gonna um god god's not going to be upset at us if we just use the bible as our parameters for that you know like that's what we're supposed to do absolutely not add to his his words there so cool man well thanks thanks for taking the time to to talk about this stuff man thanks for having me on yeah Yeah. absolutely like i said i mean i haven't really i'm not super active on social media so i haven't really said a lot about what's been going on as far as you know our whole transition and what the lord's been doing in our lives so i appreciate the opportunity to be able to explain myself a little bit yeah man and uh, give glory to god because i mean really we've seen god in a whole new light and um based based on scripture yeah and that whole sola scriptura doctrine i mean not just um not just taking away from scripture, but adding to scripture is, you know, just as sinful. Yeah. Um, so, and there's a lot of things that, that we can add to scripture, but so mm. our faith has, you know, been stronger than it has in the past. And then we're thankful that the Lord has tested us and brought us through it to get to it, yeah. this point and, yeah, and yeah. Uh, give him glory for it. Yeah. So you're not liberal. You're uh, <laughs> <laughs> not liberal, maybe from certain people's. Yes, from, exactly. But, but no, from no, you're, yeah, just healthy, just yes. healthy. Amen. Awesome. Yeah. Praise God, dude. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Please leave a review. Five stars would be great. If you're not honest about it, that's fine. Just leave a five-star review. That's that's cool with me. Um, and until next time. Yeah.